0: The theme of, of knowing purpose. We, of course, we've been talking about that the last couple of weeks, and it was a short series, and it was that on purpose, but in just thinking about that, I wanted to continue that idea because for each of us, and it doesn't matter where you are in life, it doesn't matter uh, what stage of life you find yourself in, each of us crave purpose. Uh, it's just a foundational uh, basic need that God has created us with. He's created us to have purpose. And uh, we, we looked uh, over the last couple of weeks that uh, even in times of pain, even in times of testing, even in times of uh, of trouble and trial, we can still know that, that there's a reason for the, those things and that it's a part of the purpose that God has for us. And, and we can trust that God has a specific purpose that he has created us to accomplish and that's important that we we remember that and we're confident in that we we know that Uh, we said last week that because of that we and when I say we I'm talking about me alright when I say we I want I want you to make that that personal for you and so I because of that fact because I know that God has created me for a specific purpose Uh, I can take my eyes off others and the the purpose that God has given them, uh, the, the calling that God has on their life. I can take my eyes off others and what they're trying to do and the opportunities that have been given to them. And I can embrace the purpose that I have been given and I can run the race that I have been given to run because I know that God has created me for a purpose. However, as we have been talking about, if we're... Just speaking of full transparency, uh, there are times like the season of life that all of us as a country, as a community, as a church have had to go with over the last six months. Um, there are times that some of you, that all of us at times, but some of you uh, just in recent days, in recent months, and weeks, uh, times of pain and testing that you've gone through. And and if we're being completely honest with each other in those times, in, in those times of pain and hurt, especially when it's not... Our own doing or our own choice when somebody else hurts us and, and it's not because of anything that we did. Or, or when it's uh, testing and God is testing us and the, the level of commitment and, and the level of uh, 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 desire that we have to, to stay committed to him and to be faithful to him. Or, or when uh, there is darkness in our life. And it just seems like the light of God's word, the light of prayer, the light of worship is not shining through. Uh, or when we're just frustrated, when 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 everything it seems that we pick up crumbles into dust, or everything that we try to 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 pursue or or accomplish just seems to be uh, falling apart. You ever have those days where it just seems like everything seems to be falling apart, and you you you'd like for The pieces to be in order and you'd like for the connections to be made and you like for A plus B to equal C, but it never quite does. But in those times, it's hard to see the purpose. And we have talked the last couple of weeks about the fact that there is a purpose and that's truth. Uh, The fact that God created us for his purpose. Remember, we said it's his purpose, not ours. Not what we decide, not what we think it ought to be, but what he has determined, what he has created it, uh, us for. But, but sometimes it's, it's hard to see what that purpose is. And, and because we can't see again, we get disillusioned with it. Uh, we find it hard to believe that it's true. It's, it's hard to see where things are going, where the, what the end result is. It's, it's hard to see the forest through the trees. And we're just getting caught in the darkness and getting slapped by branches and getting uh, thorns and brambles, cutting our legs as we're trying to run down this path. And we can't see where it's headed. We can't see uh, the opening, uh, the pathway in front of us. But in those moments, we have to still trust. We ask questions. And again, when I say we, I say me. I ask questions when I can't see where things are going, and I ask, is God still working? When it seems like heaven is silent, and it seems like prayer doesn't work, and it seems like uh, the Bible isn't speaking to me, and it seems like uh, a church service doesn't mean quite as much as it used to. In those moments, we ask, is God still working? In those moments, we, we ask, does God hear? Is he accomplishing the purpose that I know and I, I believe and I read that he says he has for me. Is he still doing what he said he would do? And so in light of all of that, I want to study from the book of Esther. And Esther is a unique book. And certainly, I'm sure the story of Esther is familiar to many of us. Uh, but I want to look at it from, again, a different perspective uh, and, and from uh, within the context of looking for our purpose. Uh, Esther is a unique book. If you've got your, uh, your handout there, look at, uh, well, look at Esther chapter number four and look at verse number 12. These are probably some of the most famous words in Esther. But look at it. It says, And they told to Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai commanded to answer Esther Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou together holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time? As this, Uh, Esther is a book about a young lady that had a purpose. Esther is a book about a young lady who had a calling and God used her to accomplish something great. But there's a few interesting and unique things about Esther that I think we can apply uh, as we look to find purpose in our own lives. And so uh, let's pray and then we'll get into this today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Father, that you've given us the truth that we can read and we can have the facts and we can uh, know the information that you do have a purpose for us. And 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 even in times when it seems like you're not working and it seems like things aren't making sense and we're frustrated, we can at least run to that knowledge uh, and, and trust those facts, the truth of your word that you are working. Well, God, I pray that because we are flesh and because uh, we are frail lord we fail to do that most of the time and because uh, lord we we feel like we need to take control of our lives again to find that purpose and we begin to search in other areas i pray that god that through this study of esther uh, that you would help us to see that even when it seems like you're not you are still working and even when it uh, doesn't appear that you are, you're still speaking. And, and even when it doesn't appear uh, that anything seems to be happening, you're still moving. And God, I pray that you please help us to trust you from that and be encouraged uh, in this over the next few weeks. God, I pray that you please bless the service that will follow today. Uh, we we think uh, God of uh, next week, anniversary Sunday, uh, that you would please, uh, Lord, uh, prepare the hearts of those that need to be here Uh, that need to be in the service, that need to hear the word of God, the gospel preached. Uh, God, I pray that you would please uh, give uh, Lord our pastor power today as he preaches, that you'd be glorified by the music and everything that happens in the service. We love you and we ask this in your name. Amen. Let me give you a couple things about Esther as we get into things. Uh, This week as a way of introduction and next week we'll begin the study of the book specifically Uh, But Esther is a unique book and I think there's a a few facts there at the top of your handout Uh, The first fact that I want you to know about Esther and what makes it so unique is that Esther is the only book That does not mention God directly Esther is the only book there are 66 books in the Bible 65 of them will mention God in some way shape or form Esther is the only book that never mentions God directly. It does not mention his name. It does not talk about him at all. And it's unique. And yet we, we, we can see God working. Um, Esther is the only book that uh, doesn't specifically uh, talk about uh, what God says to the people that are mentioned there or what God wants to do, or, or something about God at all. It's the only book that doesn't do that. I mean, you've got short books like one-chapter books, Jude, or 2nd or 3rd John, or some of the minor prophets, and they at least mention God's name. Esther, 10 chapters long, doesn't mention God at all, and yet we still know that he's there. It doesn't specifically excuse me, talk about what God ...is doing in the life of Esther, Mordecai, or the Jewish people, but we still see what he does. Um, It doesn't record any time that God speaks or moves specifically, but we can read of the whispers of his voice and the evidence of his working. And one of the reasons why I want to study Esther in this light of, of knowing our purpose is that I believe that Esther reminds me that God is still working even when I can't see it. God is still working even when I don't feel it. God is still working even when I won't believe it. God is still working. And and uh, this is something that I have had to learn over the last few years and I'm still learning. And so maybe this study is just for me. But when I don't see things happening the way that I think they should, then I assume that God is not doing anything. Or when I don't see things going the way that I thought that they would, I don't don't see the, the process happening in ways that I thought that they would, then I think that God is not moving. Or when I don't hear God speaking to me in the way that I was expecting him to, then I think that God is not speaking. But Esther reminds me that even when I don't see it, even when I can't hear it, and even when I won't believe it, he's still moving and working. And so we've got to trust that. You know... Again, over the last six months as we've gone through quarantine and coronavirus and still going through changes and mandates and, and, and life that none of us saw coming six or seven months ago, uh, can I tell you that God has still been working and God is still working? And even if six months ago you didn't expect your life to be where it is right now and didn't expect it to look the way that it does right now, uh, can I encourage you and tell you that God is still working? Uh, if, if six months ago, uh, you know, I'll tell you this much. Um, six months ago, I didn't expect to not be able to be on campus up at South and to continue our campus ministry. I didn't expect to be able to do that. And, and for me personally, uh, that's been something that's been very frustrating. Uh, for me personally, that's been something that has been one of those things that I've had to ask God why about. And yet, I have to believe that God is still working. And I have to believe that God is still leading. And I, and I have seen and God has shown me glimpse that he is still moving in the lives of people, in the hearts of people, uh, even if it doesn't look like how I expected it to, Uh, you know, for some of you, we're only six weeks in and it's already been a long semester. Uh, Those of you, (laughs) Daniel over there looks like he got beat up. (laughs) Um, Can I say that even in the middle, and I've been through, it's been a while, but I've been through those long semesters. um, It may seem like God is not working and it may seem like Things aren't happening the way that you thought they would. And you, it may seem like things are popping up unexpectedly every other day that you just couldn't see coming. But can I tell you, he's still working. Um, you're, you're having work trouble, trying to find a job, dealing with financial reversal. And you think, what in the world? Especially if it was not... Of your own doing, and and because of the economy, and because of Corona, and you think, what in the world is going on? Is God even still working? Can I tell you, He's still working. He's still moving. Um, you've, you you have you have relationship trouble, uh, or or you don't have one. Period. And you think, you think, is God still working? Can I encourage you and tell you that God is still working, even when we don't see God directly. Even when it's not a pillar of fire in front of us, even when it is not thunder and hailstorm uh, and hellfire from heaven, lightning from heaven, God is still working. And God is still moving and God is still speaking. And that's what we find from the book of Esther. Let me give you fact number two. The author, you don't know. You just put a question mark there. We don't know who the author of Esther is. Like many books in the Old Testament, um, the author is not identified. Now, for many of the books in the Old Testament, there's some kind of uh, tradition that people believe. You know, we, know, we believe that Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, obviously, the, the books that are named after certain people, we believe that they wrote some or part of that. Esther didn't write Esther, just in case you were wondering. Um, people don't know who wrote Esther uh, some people will believe that, uh, and some Jewish writings, ancient Jewish writings, suggest that members of the great synagogue, uh, the, the prestige, prestigious uh, Jewish establishment for, for transcribing and recording uh, history, uh, they wrote it. But it, it's hard to believe that because, again, this is a book that mentions a Persian king 190 times, but doesn't mention God once. Zero times. So it's hard to believe that someone like that uh, would have written that. And yet we know this is inspired scripture, canon uh, that God has preserved throughout the years. Uh, Some people believe that maybe Mordecai wrote it. But honestly, it doesn't really matter. Because who wrote it is irrelevant. We have the story of Esther. and, And what I believe it tells me that Esther is a book for anyone. Esther is, yes, Esther's story. But the story of Esther, the story of of God working and accomplishing his purpose, even though he's not mentioned or seen. He is the unseen hand moving and accomplishing his purpose throughout the book of Esther. Uh, That's your story. That can be your story Uh, through uh, the testing through uh, despair, through what looks like a hopeless situation, there is still hope. Uh, through uh, what looks like the end, that's only the beginning. Through what looks like uh, destruction, now we have new life. Uh, and that is your story in Esther. Nobody, We don't know who wrote the book of Esther, and so I want you to make it your story. As if you were writing an autobiography. That this is my story, the, the behind-the-scenes working of Almighty God. To accomplish his purpose is the same thing that can be said and that can be done in your life. So we know that God is not mentioned at all in Esther. We have no idea who the author is. And then let me just give you this last fact. It takes place in Persia. It does not take place in Jerusalem. It does not take place in Israel. It does not take place in a city that we're so familiar with in other Bible readings and and writings and scripture. Esther takes place in Persia. And we've talked about Daniel a lot in here. Uh, So very similar to that, we see Esther, a young lady, and everything that we've talked about with Daniel, as far as Daniel being taken from his homeland, uh, Daniel being carried away captive, Daniel being forced to become like those around him, that still applies to a degree to Esther. Now, Esther is much later than Daniel. Uh, We've already gone through several other empires and, and kings since Daniel existed. Uh, And so Esther probably was born in Persia. Esther was probably, uh, as a Jew, she probably never knew what it was like to live in the promised land. She never knew what it was like to live in Israel. She has lived her whole entire life outside of where she probably should have been. And so we see a story of where God is not mentioned one time at all. We have no idea who wrote it. And so it can be our story. And we see a story that takes place outside of where it probably where in our mind and our thinking, this is probably where it should be taking. It takes place in Persia. The Jewish people have been taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar as punishment for their sin. That's where Daniel comes in. But then about 50 years later, Cyrus the Great conquers Babylon and allows the Jews to return home. And some do. But many of them stay there uh, in, in Persia, in Mesopotamia. And that's, that's where Esther and her uncle Mordecai comes in. And so Esther takes place during the reign of Ahasuerus, or Xerxes I. And uh, if you know your Bible history, he's this, uh, his son Artaxerxes will allow Ezra and Nehemiah uh, to go back to uh, Jerusalem and build up the city. But what I want to say about this Is because this takes place in Persia. This takes place away from Israel. It takes place uh, in the life of God's people while they're in captivity to a degree. That God is working continuously in the life of his people no matter where they are. And can I say no matter where you are in life, God is still working. And God still wants to work. And no matter, uh, no matter what you have or haven't done, God still wants to work. And no matter uh, what you are or are not doing or what you know or don't know, God still wants to work. God can and is still working and wants to bring you to your purpose if you let him. So what are some things that we're going to look at with Esther? We see some of these facts and those kind of set the table Throughout the book of Esther, I want us to be able to recognize some things. So let me give you three themes throughout the book of Esther. And then, again, as we said, next week we'll begin to study it. So first of all, the first theme of Esther is hope. Number one is hope. Hope. I'm not going to get into and rehearse the whole story of Esther because we're going to study that over the next few weeks. But the story of Esther is one demonstrated to the Jewish people. It's a story of hope. It's a story uh, of hope that they uh, will not just survive but thrive. While following the Lord in this foreign land and that because they will thrive in this foreign land that the people of God can bless those uh, that are around them. Uh, God was still working for Israel even in their captivity uh, and new life in a land far from their homeland. And so Esther tells us that for the nation of Israel as a whole, God can and still will redeem his people. He'll still work in the life of his people. He'll still move. He'll still bring deliverance. He'll still answer prayers. He'll still reach out to those that are calling to him uh, no matter where they are. God did it in Egypt. God has done it in Israel over and over again. And God does it here again for his people while they are in Persia. And, and this is one of the things that you have got to hold on to. In moments of life where you are searching for purpose and it just seems like there is absolutely no end in sight. And it seems like there is no answer and it seems like there is no light. And if there is a light at the end of the tunnel, it is a freight train coming right at you. In moments like that, you have got to remember that we serve a God of hope. In Romans 15, 13. In fact, turn there with me. I don't have it for the screen. Uh, But look at Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Romans 15 and verse 13. The Bible says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Hope. The Bible definition of hope is not just wishing. It's not, well, I hope this happens. I I wish that this would happen. It would be nice if this happened. No, the Bible definition of hope is an expectation. God is a God of expectation. There is hope. There is expectation that God is and can and will work in our lives. Uh, There is an expectation that God is accomplishing his purpose. There There is an expectation that God will accomplish his purpose in your life. He's a God of hope. He is working when we can't see it. He is working to bring about his promises. And he is in control when it seems that no one is or when it seems that the wrong people are. God is still in control. I don't have to have it all figured out. Now, I like to. Believe me. I like to have it all figured out. I like to have things planned out. I'm the kind of person that likes a schedule I'm the kind of person that likes an itinerary. I'm the kind of person that likes a budget. I'm the kind of person that likes everything penciled down to the second. And when something changes that, that's a bad day. But I don't have to have it all figured out. When it comes to my life, when it comes to the purpose that God has for me, I don't have to have it all figured out because I can still hope that he does. I can still have the confidence that he does that he is working. We know that he's in control. That brings us to number 2 because the first theme we see in Esther is hope. The second one is God's divine providence. God's divine providence. We'll look at this next week, but another word for this is his sovereignty. His sovereignty. And and I was I'm glad we're going to talk about God's sovereignty next week. Because before Corona, if you remember, this is, again, a long time ago, uh, we were going through a a series on God's attributes and all the things the Bible says that God is and things uh, that are uh, that define who God is and how God works. And one of the ones we were going to get to, I think it was within the next couple of weeks, was God's sovereignty. The fact that God is in control. God is in control over all. Uh, There is no accident. Listen, uh, it's not it was not oversight on the part of whoever wrote Esther or whoever has recorded the book of Esther or whoever has copied and preserved the book of Esther, it was not oversight that they just forgot to leave the name of God or God working out. It was divinely inspired. It can and has over the years led those who read it to think about God working because he's not mentioned there directly. He's evident but unseen. For the Jews there in exile, I'm sure many of them, and, and those that maybe would read this story later, they were probably tempted to wonder if God was in control. The evidence of God's overt presence or his obvious presence to be evidence of his actual presence. And we can be tempted to think the same thing. When it's not obvious that God is working, we automatically assume that he's not. When God is not obviously speaking, then we automatically assume he's not. But can I remind you that God is still in control? God does not take days off. God does not take vacations. God has not lost track of you. God has not forgotten about you. He is still in control. He is still sovereign and in control. Esther shows that even when it is not directly obvious, God's providence and sovereignty still rule even during times of exile and seeming separation from God. He is in control he is sovereign and we have to remember that and we have to believe that that it's not a feeling it is a fact that god is sovereign and in control and that how god works because he is sovereign and in control will most of the time not make sense to us what does the bible say in isaiah 7 my ways are high above your ways and my thoughts are above your thoughts He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Uh, Last time I checked, we cannot touch the sun. We cannot touch the stars. We cannot even see the heaven where God lives. And God says, that's the way my ways are. My ways are higher than your ways. He said, you may see how I'm working, but you're never going to be able to comprehend them. And there may be times where you can't even see them. But they are there, and I am working, and I am still accomplishing. You know, it's, again, I, I like to see if, if I go on a road trip, especially to somewhere where I haven't been. Um, thankfully, now we have phones. Uh, it used to be GPS systems that you mounted on your dashboard. And then before that, it used to be MapQuest. Anybody in here ever use MapQuest? Okay, all right. Oh, hey, all right. Um. <coughs> And and for me again, because I am one of those people that like to have everything planned out, I gotta see point A to point B. I gotta see it. Uh, when my wife and I, thankfully, we we are flying from now on at Christmas time to go to Iowa. Praise Jesus! Um, but when we would, when we would drive up there. Um, First of all, i got to know point A to point B, where am I going? i got to know the gas stations we're stopping at. i got to know the rest areas we're stopping at. i got to have everything all mapped out. I've got to know how we're getting there. But when it comes to our purpose in life, when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to what God is doing and how he's working, how we get from point A to point B, first of all, it's not always obvious. Secondly, it doesn't always make sense. And thirdly, we may not even be able to see how we're getting there. But we have to trust that we are going. We have to trust that at the end of the journey, we will have gotten where God wants us to go. So we see hope. We see divine providence. And then the last thing we see throughout the book of Esther is God's unlikely instruments. God's unlikely instruments or who God uses and how he uses them. Uh, Part of what makes Esther such an incredible study and why we can apply it to our lives. It's not, just, it's not just a study about a story that happened a long time ago, and, oh, that's nice to oh, know all these facts and information. No, it's something that we can apply, because God can use unlikely people to help accomplish His plan. And that the purpose that God has for you might be a whole lot bigger than anything that you have in mind for yourself. Uh, God used... A young Jewish woman named Esther, who was an orphan, who was being taken care of by her uncle. He used her uh, to become queen, to go from being an orphan, a foreigner, a stranger in this land, to become queen of the most powerful empire in the entire world at that time, and then save an entire race of people from destruction. Now, that's an incredible story. You talk about a Cinderella story. That's it right there. That's a true story. Who but God can bring about such deliverance for an entire race of people through a young woman? God's purpose can be accomplished in and through each of you. There is no limit to what God cannot do. And the more likely, unlikely that it seems, then the greater honor that God will receive. The more unlikely that it seems for you to do something, for God to accomplish something in your life or for God to use you to do something, you say, oh, God would never use me to do that. Well, I don't think that is within the realm of possibility in my life. If that's part of God's purpose and he does accomplish that, the greater honor and glory goes to him. Let me say this and we'll, we'll close here. Without ever mentioning God directly, Esther underscores the, promise of, uh, the providence of God. I love about this because there's a bigger picture here, too. And I'll say this and we'll, we'll be done. There's a bigger picture in Esther. Because, yes, God used Esther to save the Jewish people. But even more than that, uh, God's promise to give the Jews a Savior remained intact. God used Esther to make sure that Jesus could still come. God used Esther to make sure that a savior for the world could still come. And, and, and then let, let me give you this. We, we just finished studying the book of Acts. And many of the Jews that were uh, in Persia, the ones in exile, and we'll, we'll see this as we study Esther, but they stay faithful to God. Even in these foreign lands. And they maintained their Jewish way of life and they established synagogues to worship God as they believed they were supposed to in these foreign lands. They kept their identity as Jews. Uh, let me ask you we just studied Acts, so humor me. Where did Paul go whenever he wanted to preach the gospel to these cities on his missionary journeys? Where's the first place that he went? He went to the synagogue. So Esther is responsible for making sure that the Jewish people could still exist, could still establish their synagogues, which would set the table for the Apostle Paul coming later, much later, but have a place to preach the gospel. It's amazing how God will work. Now, let me say this and we'll be done. Because I think it's important for us to remember this as we study purpose as We crave to know purpose. We look for purpose, even in those moments when it seems like God is not working. Let me say, you will not know purpose apart from knowing Christ. It does not come any other way. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, he that will come after me, die himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He'll be my disciple. For whosoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. And those that try to find or save their life themselves, those are the ones that lose it. We do not find purpose apart from knowing Christ. We cannot expect to just continue to live our life and find purpose ourselves. And I'm not talking about those moments when we want God to work and we want God to move and, and It just doesn't seem like he is. I'm talking about when we have rejected allowing God to work and we try to find and accomplish our own purpose. In those moments, there's no way that we can expect to find true purpose. We are created to know God, to worship and glorify him and to lead others to do both. Now, the way the context that God allows us to do those things, two things, to know God and to lead others to do the same thing may look different that's that's where that's what we're looking for we're looking for the context God says if you will know me and lead others to do the same I'll help you find the context I'll help you find the who what where and why but you've got to focus on knowing me you cannot have the confidence and hope that he's still working when you can't see it apart from staying faithful to him and so as we look at the book of Esther I want us to remember that there is a path to our purpose That's the title of our series, Path to Purpose, because even when God is not working, he still is. Even when it seems like he's not, even when we can't hear him, even when it doesn't look like it, we can still trust and hope that God is bringing us to his purpose.